0: Well, kids, I am glad you are here and a part of this. Uh, You guys just bring a wonderful energy. It's so much fun to have you with us on days like this. And I want to start off with a story about a time when I was probably about your age, somewhere between about eight, nine, ten years of age. I did something I was not very proud of. And so I want you to hear the story, but I do not want you to replicate it. You see, most every summer, my brother and I would make the three-hour trip to my grandparents in Hastings, Nebraska, and we would spend a whole week with our grandparents, and we would play with our cousins who lived there. But on this particular summer, our cousins made the trip to my hometown in Shenandoah, Iowa, and spent three or four days with us. And we were playing, we'd go to the pool, we just did all sorts of things. But well, one day, we were outside playing, and I suddenly noticed I was doing the peepee dance. Any of you know the peewee dance? It's when you find yourself kind of bopping around because your bladder's full. And if you don't hurry inside, you're gonna make a mess. So I run inside, I empty my bladder. Mr. Bladder's happy. So I'm about to head back outside to join my cousins when I see a picture that one of my cousins had colored. It was right there in the living room on the coffee table. And I do not know what came over me. I went over to her picture and I wrote all over it. I can't remember exactly what I wrote. I just remember I wrote something really mean. I went outside continued to play. And about an hour later, my cousin discovers the vandalism and she starts crying. And my mom suddenly turns in to mama cop. She lines all of us suspects and begins to interrogate each and every one of us. And one of my cousins says, well, I saw Aaron go inside to go to the bathroom And my mom turns to me. It was like the heat lamps are suddenly shining on me. And I knew I'm in trouble. Like, this is not looking good. I'm about to get found out. And so I did what I think most of us would do under the pressure. I lied. On my street was a girl named Amy. And Amy was the bully of our block. Yes, the bully of my block was a girl named Amy who was four years older than me and was always looking for an excuse to punch you in the face. Amy was tough. You did not mess with Amy. And so in my eight, nine, 10-year-old mind, Amy's a bad guy. So who better to frame? And so I concoct a story of how as I'm coming around the house to come inside to go use the restroom to empty my bladder, I saw Amy run out the front door. Yeah, like my mom's gonna believe that. You, you see, kids, what I did was I shared how we say it nowadays I shared some fake news. Y- your moms and dads have been hearing for the last couple of years this idea of fake news. I mean, fake news isn't something totally s- strange. Uh, There's this website called The Onion, and and more recently, a Christian site called The Babylon Bee. They're fake news, but they, they want you to know they're fake news. Like, they're total parody. Like, their headlines, everything about them basically says, this is not real. It's just there to get laughs. But about a year or two ago, some websites started putting out fake news that wasn't a joke. They tried to make it sound like their news was real. Because what they wanted you to do was to read this outlandish idea for you to get shocked and for you to then go on Facebook or Twitter and share this with others so that they would click on the link, go to the website, because these websites have advertisers. And the more people that come to the website, the more money they make from their advertisers. And so they didn't care if they were lying. They didn't care that their news was made up. They would present it as real, but it was fake. Now, this past year, it's gotten even more outlandish. There have been people who've started calling what most people would say reputable news sources, and they started calling them fake news. So you've got some politicians saying that CNN is fake news. Another one saying that Fox News is fake news. And it's just ramping up so much, and everyone's talking about fake news so much that just this last week, I saw an advertisement from Saturday Night Live, the, the comedy show that's every Saturday night. During Saturday Night Live, they have this news show called Weekend Update. And so they were boasting in their commercial that they are the trusted name in fake news. This is how prevalent fake news has become in our world. The fake news is not new. F- fake news has been around for a long, long time. Because fake news has been shared at the farmer's market. Fake news has been shared at beauty parlors. Fake news has been shared out at the, the sports game and the bleachers. Or or just around the water cooler at work. Pretty much everywhere you find people, there's a possibility, a chance, of some fake news being shared. Which means fake news also gets shared in church. I I know some churches have been destroyed by fake news. There's been fake news about pastors or certain church members. There's been fake news about future plans within a church. There has even been fake news about doctrinal issues. Today, I want to look at one doctrinal issue that has taken on some fake news baggage. And that is the doctrine of baptism. Because there are all sorts of thoughts and beliefs about it. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue in our His Story series, where we're looking at how the entire Bible points to Jesus. And we're going to, it sounds funny, we're going to skip over his birth. We're going to get to that in a couple of weeks. We're going to skip over his birth, and we're going to go to the baptism of Jesus. Because as we look at the context surrounding his baptism, we are going to dispel five bits of fake news about the doctrine of baptism. So if you brought a Bible, whether it's a paper copy or a digital one, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew 3. If you do not have a Bible, I printed off Matthew 3. It's another handout inside, uh, I, sorry, another insert inside the handout. So you can pull that out and follow along. So as you guys turn to Matthew 3, let me open us up in prayer. So Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you right now in prayer asking for you to be our teacher. That you would be the one to open our hearts and our minds to what you want to say today. You have had people being baptized for a long, long time. And some of us, God, have allowed erroneous ideas to get attached to it. And I pray that today you would just kind of cleanse this and purify it, that we would begin to see Jesus and the meaning of baptism. So God, would you ultimately be our teacher today through your timeless word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 3 um, Uh, I'm going to read the entire chapter, which I know immediately some of you are going, oh, no, because sometimes when someone reads a really long passage, your mind starts drifting like, oh, what am I doing this afternoon? Oh, what time's the game on? Oh, did I get that turned off? All right, so I'm just warning you right now. We're going to read the whole thing so that if your mind starts to wander, you can come back, because what we're going to do is read the entire thing, and we're going to go back through it bit by bit. So I want you to capture all of it right here at the beginning. So Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me "...is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. Uh, John would have prevented, it, prevented him, saying, I-, "'I need to be baptized by you,' And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom... I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So, within this, I see five bits of fake news about baptism that we get to dispel. The first one is this that you have to get your act together to be baptized. Fake news headline number one is that you have to have your act together to be baptized. Remember, uh, some time ago, um, a a guy came and and said, hey, I want to get baptized. I thought, wow, awesome. But he says, you know, but but before I do, I I need to get some things in order. And and, and I thought maybe it was like, you know, I need to talk to my family or, you know, I I, I wasn't sure exactly what it meant. So I, I asked for a little bit of clarification. And he says, well... I've been really struggling with drinking. I've also been just uh, too you know, much with, with uh, lust, and, and I've, I've got some other things. I, I just I really need to clean up my act. It, it's this idea that if you're going to get baptized as you go into the water, that you, in a sense, have to have it all together. But I, I want you to notice verse 6 there. The people were coming out, in verse 5, from Jer- Jerusalem, Judea, from all the surrounding area, And it says in verse six that they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. These people are coming out to hear this crazy wild guy, John. I mean, the guy eats bugs dipped in honey. He wears camel hair. I mean, that sounds itchy. This dude is weird. So of course they're gonna go out and check it out. But as they hear this guy start talking, they're convicted in their heart and they find themselves wanting to respond. And he's encouraging them, to be baptized and so they confess their sin to confess your sin means you admit i don't have it all together you don't get your act together and then get baptized when you get baptized you're confessing i don't have my act together but god can help me get my act together it is him who's going to work in me you confess your sins it's about repentance That's why when the religious leaders showed up, John responded so harshly to them. The Jewish leaders, they acted as if they had it all together. And yet, if you notice there in verse 8, when John speaks to them, he says, if you really want to show that you're repentant, then bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Like, you claim I've got it all together, then you got to stop being hypocrites. You don't have it all together. That's what baptism is about, admitting I don't have it all together. But Jesus went to a cross, died for my sins, so that God could begin to restore his image within me. So baptism is not about having it all together. It's acknowledging you actually don't have it all together, but God loves you and gave his life for you. And so you're responding to that. This is a, a little bit of why we don't do infant baptism at Riverwood. Um, we love kids. Uh, I I think kids are absolutely awesome. And yet the reason we don't sprinkle them is because we see baptism as being a response to the gospel. It's repenting of your sins and placing your identity in Christ. And a baby just isn't ready, isn't capable of doing that. They, They can't understand those concepts. But as a child grows, begins understanding, oh, I am a sinner. I don't obey my mom and dad every time. I am mean to my brother and sister. I I do lie about these things. They start realizing I have sinned and yet God loves me. Jesus died on a cross to forgive me of those sins. And as their eyes are open to that truth, now we will gladly, willingly baptize them. So first headline that we want to dispel is that you have to have your act all together. All right, fake news headline number two. Baptism makes you more accepted. Baptism makes you more accepted. I uh, got together with a friend, uh, this is a couple years ago, and uh, we got together and I asked him, hey, how was your weekend? He says, "Oh, it was pretty good. We uh, drove to this other city to, to go see uh, my brother-in-law get baptized at his church. And the way my friend said it, I could tell something was going on. And my, my friend, uh, he's Lutheran, and in Lutheran church, they often will baptize babies with sprinkling of water. And his brother-in-law was getting baptized at a church, kind of like Riverwood, where his brother-in-law was getting, you know, brother was getting dunked. And so there, we talked about that a little bit. But then my, my friend said, and, and Aaron, I've got another question. When my brother-in-law was talking before the, his baptism, he said he's really looking forward to doing this because he was going to be, in a sense, accepted more now by God and by the church. And, and my friend just looked right at me and he says, Aaron, is, is that what you believe but I, I want you to notice here in verse 11 john says i baptize you with water for what for repentance he does not baptize for acceptance you, you see you don't have to go into baptism thinking okay if i do this my church family will accept me more or maybe god will actually accept me more no the cross of Jesus shows that God has already displayed the full extent of his love for you. He cannot love you anymore. He's loved you to the full. And so there's no reason of getting baptized like, to somehow earn God's favor. And God's like, okay, that one's a little better now. No, it's not about trying to get accepted by God. Likewise, it shouldn't be about trying just to get accepted by your church. I I know churches where in order to be a member, you have to be baptized. In fact, they won't even recognize your baptism from another church. You have to get baptized in their church, in their baptismal tank, because they want it done their way, the right way. And now you can get accepted into the church. But yet, when we look theologically, God created humans. And when he created them, he placed his image in them. And so that image of God, even though it's been distorted and, and marred by sin shows that they have invaluable worth. And so we are to accept people. That's why what happened this past weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia is so evil because they are not acknowledging the image of God in others. God has created humanity. The image of God is in you. So you are worth value. No matter what your income level, no matter what your skin color, no matter what your gender, God loves you. He knows you and Jesus died for you. And so you are accepted. Now, this does not mean that we just then accept anything and everything you do, all right? If you were to kidnap one of my kids and sell them into slavery, I'm gonna have a slight problem with it. I'm not gonna just go, no big deal, you're accepted. No, I will do what I can to show love, to show grace, but there's also this thing of truth. And that's kind of what baptism shows is you're acknowledging your sin. And so you're saying, because God has accepted me despite my sin, I've confessed that sin. I placed my faith in Jesus and I'm getting baptized. You're baptized not to get accepted. You're baptized because you are accepted. So that's the second headline that this dispels. Oh, I, I do want to say one other thing on this. If you walk into a baptismal fauna, or in this case, a, a river on a boat dock, if you step into the waters with the attitude of this is to get me more accepted, what you're doing is you're shining the spotlight on yourself, Because you're trying to say, God, look at me. See, now you'll accept me. Or or you're saying to your church family, oh, now you'll accept me more. Now I'll be more, you know, part of this church. You're trying to take the spotlight and put it on you. But baptism, as we're going to see here in just a few moments, is all about shining the spotlight on Jesus. So if you're stepping in trying to get acceptance, you're making it about you. But if you step in trying to shine the spotlight on Jesus, you're saying, I'm doing this because I'm accepted. So baptism is about shining the spotlight on Jesus. Okay, number three. Fake headline number three is baptism saves you. Baptism saves you. Uh, Many years ago, um, a good friend of mine, her mom passed away. And so I and some other friends went to the funeral just to be there for our our friend. And this mom that passed away was a phenomenal woman. I'm just, uh, she was fantastic. She had three kids All of her children had heard the gospel within their home and had chosen to to follow Jesus. And and many of them were were actually in ministry, making an impact. Um, This mom just had influenced tons of people. This mom, if you would have asked her, why would you go into heaven? She would have said, because Jesus died for me. And yet, at this funeral, what we heard the pastor say is that we can take great confidence that this wonderful mom, this wonderful grandma is in heaven because... She was baptized as an infant. There are many people who believe that baptism becomes your ticket into heaven. And like when you walk up to the pearly gates, if God the Father were right there, he'd be saying, all right, baptismal certificate, let's see it. But it's not. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, if you know where that's at. Otherwise, just just listen. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. (laughs) Baptism does not save you because you can't walk up to God and go, and God look at you and say, so why should I let you in? And you can be handing the baptismal certificate and going, I got baptized. Can't stop that one, can you? It's something that you could boast in. And Paul says, no, the ticket to heaven isn't your baptism. Your ticket into heaven is Jesus. Jesus died on a cross for you. When God says, why should I let you in? You say, because you love me. Your son died for me. My sins are forgiven through what you did. The only reason I can come in is because you heavenly father have opened the door for me. Jesus is your ticket into heaven, not your baptism. In Romans uh, chapter 6, Paul writes this, because you're probably wondering, well, if baptism doesn't save you, what, what is it? He writes this in verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I'm going to promise you, the two guys that are getting baptized today, they're going to come up out of the water alive, okay? I'm not going to hold them down there because they're not being baptized into death. They're being baptized into Jesus' death. They're, in a sense, saying, I identify with Jesus. Because if you go back to Matthew 3, you see Jesus walks down to the water to be baptized by John. And John's like, oh, no way. Jesus is like, way? You're doing this. Why? Because his baptism was a foreshadowing of what was to come. Of Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, his body placed into a tomb, and him coming out, the death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus is foreshadowing what is to come. And so when you get baptized, you're saying, I'm not doing this to be saved. I'm doing this because I'm saved. I'm publicly showing that I identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because when I'm baptized, I go into the water. I am identifying with his death. And when I come up, I'm identifying with his resurrection. It's all about Jesus. This is about identity. It's about where does your identity rest? It needs to be in Christ. So baptism does not save you. Number four, fake news headline number four is that baptism isn't necessary. Baptism isn't necessary. Now, you just heard fake news headline number three, the baptism saves you. And so I just dispelled that. And so you're kind of thinking, well, okay, so if it doesn't save you, it's, it's not needed. It's not necessary. And I would actually argue, no, actually, I think you should get baptized. Because think about it. If anyone on this earth did not need to repent of their sin, it's Jesus. He had no sin. And yet he walks down to the Jordan River and says, John, we got to do this. John's like, no. She's like, we have to. Let it be so. Because it was to fulfill all righteousness. If you were to go and do a word study on the word baptism in the Bible, this spot in Matthew chapter 3 is the first place that you see the word baptism. You won't find it anywhere in the Old Testament. So you might want to conclude then that, oh, so this is kind of a new idea. Once Jesus comes around, this idea of baptism. Actually, the Old Testament has been alluding to baptism in multiple areas. In First Peter chapter three, Peter writes that Noah's Ark was a type of baptism, that it points to this idea of baptism. Uh, You could go to when the uh, Israelites are in the wilderness and they cross through the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts and they come through the water. Or when they come up to the Jordan River getting ready to cross into the promised land. Or my favorite passage, Ezekiel 47, kind of the key passage for Riverwood. Uh, There's this river that brings life and Ezekiel the prophet walks through it four times. First time it's at his ankles, then his knees, then his waist, and the last time he's immersed in it. All of those point to Jesus. Jesus is the ark that brings you through the flood of your sin. Jesus is the promised land. He brings you through the waters. Jesus is the river of life, and you are to get immersed into him. It's necessary. It was necessary for Jesus to be baptized, to fulfill all righteousness. And likewise, it's necessary for you to be baptized. In fact, when Jesus gets ready to take off uh, from from earth, he's risen from the dead. He comes up on top of a mountain with his disciples and he's getting ready to ascend to heaven. He's just gonna start lifting off the ground right there, levitating and boom, he's gone into the clouds. Disciples don't know what's coming, but they sense something's up. He gathers them together and he says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All right, so he's now the king. He's now in charge. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus. So now because he's the king, he can give you a command. And here's his command, go. Go therefore, and what? Make disciples. Hey kids, do you know what a disciple is? It's a Jesus follower. Someone who identifies as, hey, Jesus is the king. He died on the cross for my sins. I follow him. My life is all about him. And so when you share the gospel with someone, you invite them to follow Jesus, what do you do? He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's this underlying assumption that when you hear the gospel and you respond to it, you don't go, ah, that's crazy, or okay, that might be good for some people, or that's a bunch of fake news. Instead, you respond to it like, it's true. Jesus died on a cross for my sin. He rose again from the dead to show that he had authority over even death itself. It's true. That changes everything. And you place your faith in this. The very next thing should be baptism. Not because the baptism saves you. It doesn't make you more accepted by God. No, you're being baptized because you realize I am accepted by God and God has saved me through this gospel. And so because of what he's done in me, I'm gonna do this outward sign. The word baptism in Greek, it means to dip or to immerse. It comes from kind of the fashion industry. Back in Jesus' day, there were these cloth makers, and they would you know, make their cloth you know, through wool or whatever. But if they wanted to change the color, they would have to dip it, immerse it, baptize it into dye. And so if you wanted your cloth to be red, you'd get the red dye and you'd dip it in there and you'd soak it all down in there. And that dye would get into every crevice of it so that when you pulled that cloth out, its color absolutely changed. And when you're baptized, you're saying, this is what has happened to me inside. I have been fundamentally changed. The gospel has seeped into every fiber of my being. God is restoring and changing that image of God within me, so that I can go and love like Jesus loved, and live like Jesus lived. And so to kind of let everyone know what God has done inside, I step into waters, and I identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, because this has saturated my whole life. So, that dispels fake news headline number four, that baptism isn't necessary. Alright, so the last one, fake news headline number five, baptism will immunize you from struggle baptism will immunize you from struggle kids i hate to tell you this but in a couple of weeks many of you are going back to school i know you hate me now why did i have to bring up a painful memory well it gets worse because some of you you're gonna have to get shots before you go all right a couple of my kids they got to have some immunization shots now the shots hurt just for a moment, but they actually do a lot of good. Like if you get the chickenpox immunization, it protects you from getting chickenpox. I had chickenpox when I was five years old during Christmas vacation in kindergarten. That was not a fun Christmas. You do not want chickenpox, kids. Get the shot. Trust me on this. But some people think that when you get baptized, therefore now because God accepts you, you'll be immunized from struggle. That everything in life will be all better. And so when something tough comes, we get mad at God. Because God, I obeyed you. I got baptized. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Look at what happened to Jesus. Jesus goes into the water, he comes up, the heavens part, the Holy Spirit descends like in the shape of a dove, lands right upon him, and the people hear God say, God the Father, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I mean, how cool would it be if Riley or Brian come up out of the water and all of a sudden these clouds part, the sun comes down and we hear angels go, whoa, you know, they'd sing a lot better than that. That, that would be just like, whoa, I think we'd all be shaken to our core. That's what happened at the moment Jesus is baptized. And what is the very next thing that happens? Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When Jesus was in that wilderness, he didn't eat. For 40 days, he had no food. His water was just whatever he could find out in the wilderness. If that were me, I would be hungry. I would be tired. I would have probably lost some much needed weight, but it would not be much fun. And at the end of that 40 days, Satan shows up and starts to tempt Jesus. He ends up tempting Jesus three times, at least is what's recorded in the scripture. On the first two of those, you know what the first words that Satan said to Jesus? If you are the son of God. Satan's challenging his identity if you are the son of God, do this. Now, I know what would have happened if that were me, right? Because I know me, I'd be in the wilderness. I'm hungry, I'm tired. And all of a sudden, if you really are, I'd be like, oh yeah, I know I am. I'll do this. But Jesus doesn't do that. Because you see, Jesus, after these 40 days of being hungry, when he is told, if you are the son of God, he looks back to his baptism and remembers The heavens parted, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and he heard his father, this is my son. Jesus could turn around and look at Satan. What do you mean if? I know the truth. I am the son of God. And he could respond with scripture. When you get baptized, it does not guarantee that you will be inoculated from struggle. But it does mean that you'll have something that you can look back upon that can help carry you through that struggle. Because there will be moments when you will struggle, you will doubt, you'll be frustrated. Why is God allowing this to happen? Is there even a God? Is this whole Jesus story even true? Have I just been sold a bill of goods? Have I believed a bunch of fake news? And in those moments, you can look back and say, but I know on this day, I believed the truth. I knew that Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. No matter what I'm going through now, I'm gonna lean on that and rest on that. And that can help then carry you through the struggle, through the tough times. Because as you come through it, God is at work and he's doing something deep in you so that when you emerge out of the struggle, you're stronger, you're more mature, you're more like Jesus than ever before. So sometimes getting baptized Reminding yourself of where your identity is at is what's going to help carry you through those tough moments. Baptism does not immunize you from struggle, but it sure can help carry you through your struggle. So don't believe the fake news about baptism. Baptism does not save you. It does not make you more accepted. But it is necessary, and it is good. It is beautiful. And it could be exactly what you need to help carry you through those tough times. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to pray. And uh, as I pray, Redeeming Rebels is going to come up here. and They're going to lead us in another song. And during that song, I'm going to invite Riley and Brian to to get ready to come up. And they're going to share with you their stories. So Riley and Brian, after Redeeming Rebels lead the song, you guys are just going to use Jake's mic right there. I want you to listen to their stories. I want you to hear what God has done. No matter how crazy the story or how simple the story, their stories are miracles of God's grace. He's worked in their lives. He's opened their eyes. And today they're wanting to publicly proclaim that their identity is in Jesus. And so we're gonna listen to them and we're gonna celebrate what they're doing. So let me pray. So Heavenly Father, uh, we just say thank you for your grace, for your goodness. Thank you for what you are doing and how you are making all things new, including us. God, I thank you for the Jesus followers here who have had their lives changed and shaped by the gospel. And I pray that today is just yet another wonderful reminder of who you are, what you've done, how much you love them, and that their identity is rooted in Jesus. I thank you for uh, Riley and Brian and the story that you were writing in them. I look forward to seeing what you do with them next. I'm so glad that we could gather today on this gorgeous, beautiful Sunday morning to celebrate with them, going public with their faith in Jesus. God, I thank you that you have saved them through the gospel, and now they get to go and proclaim it, even through something simple, as dunking under the water. God, thank you for this time to celebrate. Thank you for what you are doing. I pray for anyone here that is a follower of Jesus but has never been baptized. You just continue to she- show them your love for them, drawing them deeper and deeper into you and that they would be at a place where they would be willing to be baptized, not to try and shine a spotlight on themselves, but to shine the spotlight on you, the one who has fundamentally changed their life at every single part of their being. And God, I pray for anyone here today that does not know you. I pray that that through Brian and, and Riley's stories, through this, the teaching of the scriptures, even through maybe a lyric of a song, that today would be their day where they would place their faith in you and they would realize that Jesus, you are God, you came to earth, you died for our sin so that we could be forgiven and come into spiritual life. And I pray that today is their day of rebirth, that today is the day they are born again as they confess their sin and acknowledge who you are and what you've done for them. So God, this is your day. We thank you for it. We pray that you just continue to be glorified as we sing and as we celebrate the sacrament of baptism. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray together. Amen.